Welcome to this edition of Life's Tough, You Could Be Tougher. Our special guest today is Stephen and Mara Klimich. Stephen and Mara Klimich are founders of HeartStyles, a company that specializes in understanding human behaviors and developing strategies for individuals and organizations to alter their thinking toward making better decisions to achieve their goals quicker. Through their groundbreaking HeartStyles indicator, an academically validated tool that measures a person's character and behaviors, they built a personal development guide outlining the steps someone needs to take and optimize good behaviors to realize their goals. This tool is now available in 25 languages and has positively impacted over 100,000 people around the world. Let's welcome Amon to the show. Welcome to the show, Stephen Amara. So how did you guys get into this? I mean, so you went from before you were authors, you were what? Oh, well... <laughs> I'm not sure we're actually authors. Well, yeah, authors. It took us over yeah. 30 years to write our book. So, um, yeah. what did we do? Well, we've, we've been running a um, pretty much a boutique consulting company um, specializing in leadership and culture development. Um, I joined in, Stephen started in 1989. 87. Sorry, 87. Yes, 87. And then um, I joined in 94. Um, and opened up the psychological services site. So my background is in is in psychology. Um, I'm very clinical, and his is in business. And so you, let me. So you've been probably what psychoanalyzing him. The, the, since no, then? It's a lot, look, it's I a say she's time. the psychotherapist. I'm she's the psycho, well, and she's the therapist. This is going to be a fun. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, I couldn't thought, afford the bill. Uh, I can <laughs> tell the big headphones. Like it's just for him. You got to go bigger. You're yeah, thinking too yeah. small, Mara. I think he thought that it was cheaper to actually marry me, but I think the cost over 25 years is yeah, a little bit more than he thought in lots of different ways. <laughs> no. no, we so, had a great time. We had, yeah. Wow. So yeah. was it love at first sight? What, what was it that attracted you to each <laughs> other? Are we supposed to be starting this thing? Or I think we're started? already starting. This is how we get into good. it. You are good. Have, <laughs> we're supposed to have a conversation. I was on the phone earlier with oh. Lou Ferrigno. Uh, so we're wow. supposed to talk later today again, and okay. it's a conversation. This is life. It's yeah. raw. It's yeah. uncensored. It That's is unscripted. Great. So Thank going you. back well, to your dodging the question, our life. Like, yeah, what right. was our it? Life. What was it about him? Was it his smile? His pearly whites? What, what gave it away? The, do you want a really, you know, pat answer, or would you like the truth? I want the truth. The truth is a little bit more serious. Um, okay, so <laughs> I met Stephen the day after I finished my last chemotherapy, when I had uh, been diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and had been given six to nine months to live. Wow. And lot, there was another whole story in that, but I ended up, obviously, they were wrong. Um, some miracles happened, I think, through medical technology, and I just think some miracles. So, so and, let me jump in here. He... Yeah he was attracted to you when you may not have been at your best. I wasn't. I actually, that day, I, you know, it's one of those things you remember certain markers in your life, don't you? And that, that particular yeah. day, I don't think I'll ever forget it because I 
I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought I had my hair growing back again. It was very short, but it was growing back. And I, um, I actually thought you look like yourself because I had a bit more colour in my face and I was absolutely determined to go to, of all places, the most boring thing on earth, a training course, a little workshop. And I got myself there and I met him and I had heard about his company because it was quite well known in, in um, parts of Australia not only for the work that it did, but particularly for its culture. It was very well known. People wanted to, to join it all the time because it's, uh, it had a very, very good culture. And um, I thought when I met him, so I'd heard about his company and he, <laughs> we were all introducing ourselves, you know, you, the way you do, with your, you've got your little U-shaped, nice little desk for all of us that are trainers, you know, you have your little U-shaped desks. And everyone's sitting there and we're all introducing ourselves and, he came in late, and as I as I sat down, uh, there were three um, little mark, uh, what do you call those name tags in front, literally in front of me, that said the name of his company. At that point, was called Achievement Concepts, and I had heard about this company. I had a few of my clients at the time were secretly saying to me, "You should go and talk to these people." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I haven't got enough time. I'm just trying to focus on getting well." And I sit down and there are these three name tags, achievement concepts, achievement concepts, achievement concepts. I'm like, yeah, all right, I've got to finally meet these people. He walks in late on crutches and announces himself as the health and safety officer. Of the oh, he's, I'm kind of a big deal, <laughs> is what he's saying. <laughs> well, I didn't actually know. He, he was very, very humble, so I didn't actually know he actually owned the company. But anyway. Um, and I thought during the day, it wasn't love at first sight as such, but I certainly thought during the day what a really um, decent human being he was. He wasn't trying to chat me up or anything, as they say in Australia. Um, he was just a very, a really nice person. There was just something very deep about him that I could tell. So anyway, I drove There was him. a connection. There was, there a, was and, a connection, And for you, yeah. you had met lots of people before this in your life, I imagine, doing trainings, thousands of people that you were attracted to her, that there was this immediate connection between you. Why do you think that, how do you think that started? Well, um, first of all, I'm a believer. So I think there's some supernatural God-given connection in, in, yeah, so in our destiny. Yeah, so des destiny, part of destiny was decided and you know, it's lovely us living this out now 25, 26 years later. Um, but there is something um, about the depth of Mara that she sees into people's hearts. And it's not all psychobabble. She, I can uh, do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. And that, that particular day, because I'm on crutches and I introduce myself as the safety officer, which is typical Australian humour to say you know, I'm the safety officer on crutches, um, Mara ended up facilitating our group and it was just a very, very God-given connection of going, there is something very special about this person, this person's heart, her nature, her intellect, which is extraordinary. But it's more than intellect. Her heart is, uh, sees beyond the behaviour, sees into people's hearts. And I picked that up that day and um, we just decided to get together and, and say, you know, how do you see life and how do I see life? And fortunately for us, our romance started off as a friendship. Mm. And That's a beautiful. Very, 
getting yeah. to know one another. Neither of us actually wanted to have a relationship. That was the interesting thing. Which I, I had come from a divorce. So I was locked down. I had two kids. I had come from a, a divorce. We, long story, but bankruptcy and, and very, very... You'd, very been, you'd been at, some would say, at the bottom. Mm. I had $2.18 in the bank. Uh, after they cleaned us out and two kids and that put a lot of strain on life and um, the marriage didn't last um, and it was a time when I was just blinkered I was consolidating I was trying to just do life look after your kids and... kids ex-wife get over um, you know a pretty tough time and this is some years later, but I'm still in this blinkered state. And this, this woman comes into my life and invades my heart and my mind and where I'm at. And, you know, our worlds collided mm. because I came from a, a very different background to Mara, a very uneducated but theological and, and from one side of the street background, Amara came from an extremely educated background. Oh, that sounds like my wife and myself. Wow, this <laughs> could be our story. Wow, how interesting. Please continue. Oh, we'd like to hear you. And um, <laughs> I'm a mad outdoorsman, mad mountaineer. So uh, I developed a business to help people and teams develop, but using the outdoors as a catalyst for people to understand um, how they can work together effectively in an outdoor scenario in an outdoor environment so we would lock people in a room for a day or two and teach them the theory of strategic planning and communication and team and understand different personality types but then i'd throw them into an outdoor scenario which is like a simulated search and rescue hmm. in the wilderness and see how they applied those skills <laughs> and most of them failed miserably yeah I, I would imagine so i'd say all right hold on a second i gotta go get some things <laughs> maybe i should maybe i should apply what i just learned in theory and then then it started to go deeper because the people we found that were the most effective in their leadership and the people who grew the most came from a humble heart and they were teachable and they were humble as much as they were driving well results. They were driving results, they were driven people, but there was a humility in their heart that gave them a style that was different to other people who were in their heart ego-driven and not listening. And that's where we, we sort of came up with the new brand name of Heart Styles, because we believe the style of the way someone does life actually comes mm. from their heart. I, I agree. And there are people, they, they can't fake it. You, no. it's, you can't hide it. And there are some people that just don't have it. That's right. um, and uh, in time, I, I think they could probably develop it. But it takes that point of getting humbled. Mm -hmm. So l let's talk about relationships. What, what sort of transformations have you seen in her and she's seen in you since you two have been together? That is a fantastic mm. question, Dustin. <laughs> One of the things I, I admired about Stephen when I first met him and got to know his, his story um, was that he had, and, and still does, and I, so I'm answering the question from a background, but then it's, it's still pertinent to what he still does. Um, he had a pretty tough, tough background, um, a lot of lack, lack of love, lack of encouragement, um, a lot of lack. Uh, 
You know what that's all about, Dustin. Yes, sir. Yes. You do. And, you know, yes, sir. From what we understand from your, you know, your history as well, it's an incredible thing. So what I've always admired about Stephen and, and that I still see now, 26 years later, is that he continually looks at himself and faces the truth about himself rather than his truth that he likes to believe, like we all do. We've all got our truth versus the truth. But he looks at his truth and then questions whether it's his or truth or whether it's their truth. And if it's not their truth, he will absolutely, without, well, what was the word? Without fear, I suppose, um, and with a great deal of courage, will just push into it and lean into it until he develops that part that needs developing. And it's allowed that's character him. that's it's someone exactly who says what it is yeah and, and i think exactly that in any relationship that that ultimately the goal of you and you should be that i will become the man or the woman that my partner needs me to be mm. that yeah. that to me is quite a transformation that you've been able to see in him that here is somebody that that uh, is selfless he lives for others uh and he wants to make a difference in this world he wants to leave the world far better than the way he found it yeah, totally. That's and exactly. what we went through, as are you doing, because of our backgrounds, our mess becomes our message. I will not become a volunteer victim. It is no. pure no. and simple. I won't no. allow it. No. Because it's when that happens that you're allowing all the toxicity, all no. the resentment, all the junk no. to no. then cloud your judgment mm -hmm. and cloud the direction that I know you can get to, meaning your purpose. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so all of that adversity and all of the things that we've gone through, as I said, if we can make our mess our message, how can we turn something that, that's happened to us that, that's not favourable and strengthening ourselves as a result of that and making a difference? And, and, you know, there's a lot of people at the moment going through this coronavirus across the world. We're in lockdown. It's very, very difficult for a lot of families. It's difficult for businesses. It's difficult for people with employment. And it, it, it I, I hope, is going to make help people go deeper and get stronger. And adversity strengthens us. So out of this as a planet, out of this as a, a nation, America, Australia, UK, and then out of it as a family, you know, bring it down to the business of the family, to the individual, uh, can we get strengthened through this difficult time and not play victim, as you just said, and that's where, uh, for me, it's just been a continuous thing of, of being able to grow through what, whatever experience I'm getting. And that's when, when Mara came into my life. I believed in grace, but I've called Mara my angel from heaven because Mara came into my life when I was still wounded and still broken and, and not, saying, <laughs> not saying that I'm right now, but just saying that, there was, there was this time where, where Mara carries a grace and a gentleness and a non-judgmental spirit that makes people feel safe. My mates in Australia call her the stealth bomber. She gets <laughs> under the radar. She flies in under the radar with someone. Someone feels safe with Mara. Then she speaks into their life and bush. Well, that's what she did to me. That's quite a calling, Mara. Not, not everybody has that no. calling. You're, no. you're a rock. Thank you. No, I can't do I'm too intense. Mara's like, 
she comes in and of course she's done it to me my whole life one of the stories we wrote about in the book this is when the when the tsunami happened 2004 that was very close to us we had our daughter in the tsunami in thailand which was just that's another story but mara was called to go to sri lanka to do counseling and we go whenever one of us goes away on our own, which is not that often. We go out to dinner the night before and have a nice dinner. And Mara says to me, "Oh, darling, are, are you okay?" Which means <laughs> I sense that you're not. <laughs> so that's her way of checking you know, in. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm going. Yeah, I'm fine. It's short, she said, short, "You know, well, look, look, I'm going tomorrow, and I just, I just felt that you're, uh, you know, you've got a bit of a spirit of jealousy around you." Um, and I'm gone, no, 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 no way am I jealous. No, not a chance, not a chance. I'm not jealous. So, you know, the next day Mara heads off, you know, doesn't take it any further, waits for a beautiful moment of truth at dinner, plants the seed and jets off to Sri Lanka helping, you know, people <laughs> there. Of course, I go away and meditate and pray and go, oh, what's this jealousy thing? Am I going to just brush it off? And of course, when you start to stop and think and meditate and go to where your heart is, not to where your mind is, your mind's the biggest liar on the planet. It's a distraction, isn't it? Yeah, your mind will just lie to you. And you say, oh, no, she doesn't know what she's talking about, stupid woman. But your heart's going, actually, you know what? I am jealous. Because we've done all of this work together. We've done trauma counselling together. We've counseled hundreds and thousands of people together, but you've got the PhD degree and I don't. And you're better than me and I'm not. And I'm not good enough. And you're heading off there to Sri Lanka. We wrote all about this in the book. And um, my heart was carrying jealousy. And my behaviour was manifesting it. She could see it. I couldn't see it. But Mara could see it. And Mara has this beautiful way of planting a seed, not trying to make a point, just planting a seed. And then I hope that I'm humble enough to meditate on that seed. If not, Mara will plant another one and another one and not get bitter and twisted. <laughs> She's like, I'm pretty good at it. I'm like, no, nice I'm job. Laughing nicely done. Sometimes it's and I think in relationships, if we give <laughs> each other permission to counsel each other, you know, we get offended by the people we love the most, don't we? Like, we sure do. So, sometimes sure our do. kids can just Absolutely. roll their eyes or our, our, our spouse can roll their eyes at you and all of a sudden, boom, yeah. you're... So if we give each other permission to plant seeds in each other's hearts and minds, and we can be humble enough to go away with those seeds and think about, pray about, meditate on, and say, what is really happening in my heart here? Mm. I think we could see tremendous change and a lot of healing in relationships. Absolutely. And we look at what's happening today in the world. Many people are now stuck indoors with people mm -hmm. they don't get along when they're not even with them for six, seven, yes. eight hours during a day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or there are those that have great relationships, but now they're struggling. Mm. You know, how do people deal with that? Because as you said, people feel what they feel. Mm. What sort of advice and counsel can you give people that right now aren't at their best? They're dealing with someone else that maybe aren't at their best. Yeah, good. Yeah, this is a really good thing, isn't it? Um, I think for, yeah, I mean, for all of us, even if you have a good relationship, it's being at close quarters, you know, 24 hours a day. 
um, is pretty tough for most people. I think we've been very fortunate because we spend 24 hours a day. We travel together, we work together, we, you know, we like, socialise together. This is, this is normal yeah, for us. It's, it's been a big test, actually. Oh, it's only Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, it's Thursday. Usually <laughs> Friday. <laughs> yeah, no, Let's see us on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, we try to kill each other, but, you know. Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so for people, I think, well, I think the first thing is... Um, I suppose it's the humility thing too, isn't it? Because it's it's asking yourself when, if you get irritated by your family member or, or whoever you're with, you know, it might be some people are actually, you know, in lockdown with their, their um, flatmates, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's asking yourself the question, what's happening for me? Rather than think, about other people, you know, what, what's going on for them, why do they do this, why do they do that, it's so annoying, why don't they shut up, blah, blah, blah. It's actually turning the question to what's happening for me, firstly, and what am I feeling about so-and-so? So for Stephen, what, what's happening for me? What, why, why, what am I feeling about what he's like at the moment? And then when you look at yourself and if you're really humble enough to, to think about or to, to realise what is going on for you, you can then ask the question of, okay, so let me now think about the other person. Is their behaviour, yeah, what's happening for them? Because is, is their behaviour consistent with what I know of them? Or is it a little bit out of character? So most of us... Most of us are what we would call in our little model below the line, which is being defensive and annoying and not the best of ourselves, using coping strategies to sort of live, th- uh, to survive rather than thrive. The only reason we do that is, is because we feel that there's a threat to our security and that threat can either be real or perceived, but we will see it as, as something real. And because of that, we will try to defend ourselves and protect ourselves. So if you start to think about having compassion for someone else and saying, what, what is happening for them? Because if they're, you know, the way that Stephen, I don't know, the example would be, if he had been the way he spoke to me five minutes ago. Now, is that in character or out of character? Because if it's out of character, then something must be going on for him. So I need to go and find that out rather than assuming and trying to create a whole story around my perception, I need to go and find out what's going on for him. Mm. And that's where we, with our research, the sort of heart styles model took us 18 years of research and development. And that's why it's taken us 30 years to write a book. Um, So these these two principles that drive our ineffective behaviour. So the self-limiting fear, and obviously everyone's talking about that at the moment because there is a lot of genuine fear around at the moment. And we say switch the fear into concern. Yes, we should be concerned, but fear feeds fear, which feeds fear, and we end up spiralling into fear. Now, if that fear is in our hearts and minds, it's going to manifest ineffective behaviour. The other way that we've coped with life is what we call ego-driven pride. That's where we don't want to listen to anybody, where we want to control the world that we're in, where we want to compete at all costs with anybody to try and look good, feel good, be good, be bigger, better. Now, of course, in our current environment, we are 
uh, you know, that we are, there's so much fear. Let's turn that into concern and let's humble ourselves to go, what's happening for me? What's happening for somebody else? If somebody else has gone what we call below the line, they're probably coming from fear or pride, negative pride. This is ego-driven pride. Positive pride is love. When you're proud of your kids and proud of your, your business or proud of something, that's, that's love. So what we researched is these two principles, universal, absolutely universal spiritual principle. It's like gravity. Gravity works for every person on the planet. It is a principle. So this principle of, of self-limiting fear and ego-driven pride will manifest behaviour that is ineffective and it creates incredible tension on relationships. Now, what's the opposite to that? That's below the line. What's above the line? And our, our book is Living and Leading with Heart Above the Line. So above the line comes from these two other universal principles, courageous humility and growth-driven love. So when I have the courage to be humble, it takes a lot of courage to be humble. When I have the courage to speak my truth with love, when I have the courage to see where I can transform and be more effective, when I have the courage to say, hey, you're, you're more effective than me in this particular role. Why don't you come and, and work with me? So that's the courageous humility and then growth-driven love. How can we learn to not fear but love? How can we learn to love each other, love ourselves, love the planet? And, and those two principles will, of course, manifest different behaviours whilst we're driving results, whilst we're changing the world, whilst we might be a CEO or a mum or a dad or a, a politician. We're seeing now in, through this virus, we're seeing some of the best in people because we're being humbled as a, as a humanity is being humbled at the moment and our planet yes, is breathing. Yeah. And we're doing this podcast in the, in the midst, midst, midst of this incredible tension that's on the planet, across the whole planet. And it's humility and love that's going to mm. help us be a much, much better planet than operating out of fear-driven fear and, you know, this ego-driven pride. Now, if we're in a, a, a tense environment, it's getting to know what's happening for me. Is my heart below the line? Or is someone else's heart below the line? And let's have compassion. Compassion doesn't mean we agree, but let's have compassion for people who are under tension. Well said. And so how do we find your book? Oh, well, good old Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Amazon across the globe, um, and of course in Barnes and Noble stores across America. When you're allowed to walk into them. Um, when you're allowed to walk in. I mean, yes. what an achievement to have had a goal, <laughs> uh, to have a crazy idea, and then you were able to execute it. That must have been such a, wow, a feeling like none other to finally see it printed and say, we did that. Yeah. We well, did that. Dustin, yeah, I think. Yes, this has been absolutely amazing. It's been a long journey. The, you know, even getting, because what we actually originally invented, which is then, well, we, we wrote the book afterwards, um, was this um, instrument called the Heart Styles Indicator. 
which is now in 25 languages all around the world, which is amazing. Remarkable. But that was pretty tough because, you know, in the, in the, when we started in, in the 90s, you know, for some people that are listening, they weren't even born then, but, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s, we were absolutely determined that all of the research we were doing was demonstrating that humility and love were really the driving forces for effectiveness. You can imagine taking that into boardrooms. That's right. It's not going to sell. They're going to say, look, we're looking for people willing to cut off their arm to get mad. Exactly. That's it. And we'll pay them I've interviewed many billionaires. (laughs) I can tell you they are are very motivated. (laughs) Yes, they are. So, yeah, I mean, that that was really pretty interesting. Uh, Talk about character building and also really sticking to what you really are believing in because we had... Well, we do joke. I mean, it was actually true that we ended up with two um, different times, two uh, marketing consultancies that we hired to do some market research, you know, at different times. And both of them just came back and said, there is no way you could ever use the L word in business. Yeah. And no way you're going to be able to sort of do this. And so we that's, fired, that's we fired 10 the, years ago. Yeah, we fired the first <laughs> one. And then the second one did the same thing. We fired them as well. Uh, no, not really. But, it, you know, that, it's really interesting when in the face of, you know, market research, scientific process, and people are saying, forget about it. This will just never, never work. But we... Well, it was Steve Jobs who said, I, I don't want to do market research because they're going to tell me what people don't know. I need to invent the future. Yeah, and that's what really what we were doing. And so that's what we were able to do. We here. just had to wait, I think. I, I have said that, I mean, both of us really, but I'm usually on this little bandwagon, that we, we just had to wait for society to catch up, to be honest, you know. Isn't that the way it usually is, though? Yeah, it's like interesting, Sometimes you got to wait. You're so far out there with the idea and then one day people come and go, wow, and you go, we saw it all along. Mm-hmm. And you would have too, if you would have centered yourself um, and had you have been humbled along the way, you would have seen it too. Yeah. That the most yeah. important thing in your life um, is usually the things closest to you and it's very hard to see when you're distracted mm-hmm. by everything else. Uh, okay. In the, the paper this morning, or the online edition of The Sun, so the, the British paper, right. uh, it was highlighting a family and it was saying that they got a phone call that they had 10 minutes to come to the hospital to say goodbye to the dad that mm-hmm. he had the he had the virus, and so I think right now it is very easy for people to complain, for mm-hmm. people to, uh, to to come up with the things they don't like. But what if you had ten minutes to say goodbye, ten minutes to say goodbye to the person you loved most in this world? Mm-hmm. What would you really say? And at the end, would all the fights, yeah. all that, does it really matter? Yeah, none exactly. of it matters. No. That you have those final moments. And that really is that if you could live every day with your family like it's your last, or every day in a relationship like it's your last, and every day at work like it's your first, imagine Mm -hmm. what sort of legacy you would leave behind. Imagine what could happen in this world. And that's what Mm -hmm. you two are doing. You are both leaving an impact uh, in a way that is greater than the way you found it. And I admire you and I respect you for doing it because it comes with a cost. Well, yes, yes and like does. reading your background and like thank thank you for having us on your podcast. But we'd love to know more about yeah, your I'd background. Interview you. My <laughs> story. We all I, we say on our show, everyone has a story, and every yes. story has a purpose. Yes. That no matter what you've went through, it doesn't have to break you. That it starts with a mindset. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? All right. So you weren't potty trained, right? You weren't born to wealth. I wasn't lucky. Sperm club. Uh, my dad was the member of a notorious. Uh, 
motorcycle club. He was a hardcore white supremacist gang member. Uh, mother left the family for her boyfriend, started over. I went into foster care with my sister. Well, what happens in life when you, they say that a mind that lives in the past yeah. builds mm -hmm. a prison around itself and locks itself within. Mm -hmm. What happens, especially for children on the PTSD aspect, is yeah. that the children that go through these things and trauma, as you know, reverberates through the generations. Mm -hmm. It just keeps going. Yes. And so I had a choice to make. My mm -hmm. sister had a choice to make. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that if you do not, um, as you said, center yourself, get to a place to, feel, to, to realize what are the things that are holding me back, then unfortunately you'll look for things to fill those voids. Mm -hmm. I lost my sister to an opiate overdose uh, back in 2014. Mm -hmm. And with yeah. that, for me, became my mission. What am I mm -hmm. going to do about yeah. it? Am I going to be the person that lets somebody else uh, talk about what they lost? Or will I openly tell people, I know what you're going through. I know what it's like to feel unloved. Yes. I know what it's like to feel forgotten. I know what it's like uh, to want to be born to a different family. I know what it's like to, to have, uh, I don't want to have a little luck come your way in life. Mm -hmm. But when you realize that, look what you've been blessed with. Look what you have. You can see. Yep. You can think. You can hear. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you use those things that have been given to you, and like you, I am faith-based. If you use those things and imagine all along the way, the footprint you leave and the people you touch and where their paths will go. It's the old a kind, af, a kind uh, uh, response turns away wrath that imagine someone cuts you off. Instead of, I'm going to, imagine yeah. you just let it go. Yeah. Yep, that's if right. you cause an impact in someone's day, you don't realize and you won't even know the impact it'll have along their path. That, mm -hmm. Or maybe the best of you that day and in life, we get the best of each other and the worst mm -hmm. of each other. Mm -hmm. So that's the Reader's Digest of what brought me here. <laughs> uh, a year ago, we started the show with an idea. What if yeah. we could just touch a heart? Imagine mm -hmm. that one heart. How many hearts it could help along the way. Imagine the lives extended. Imagine the books written. Imagine mm -hmm. the stories told. Imagine the lives that would be improved. And at the end of the day, the most important thing we have is our peace. So imagine people have their peace along the way. Um, mm. It started with just a crazy idea, turned into one guest, uh, then to Evander Holyfield and some of the biggest names wow. uh, came to us and it's been very humbling. Uh, mm. And I'm very honored that you both have chosen to, to come on our show. Uh, as my oh, wife always you. says, and I say, it's a rinky dinky podcast. And I'll talk to <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, that's fantastic so what you've done. And, you know, once again, from your background and making a, a mess and message and, being able to help people and these things that we talk about in the book, this very simple formula of S plus a T equals B. So if someone's got a piece of paper and they scratch down S plus T equals B and the B is the behavior and what behavior we manifest. The S is the situation that we're in. Now the T is the magic. It's the triggers, the templates and the truth. So what triggers you to behave ineffectively? And as you just mentioned, someone cuts you off in the traffic and that can trigger you to say, right, oh, mate, I'm going to get you. And all of a sudden you, you left home, you kissed the kids goodbye, hugged the wife, you got in your car, someone cuts you off and you're triggered immediately to go below the line. But that might be triggered by a template and a template is all what's happened to us in our past the emotional baggage that's stored up in our emotional bank account. And all of a sudden, sometimes someone 
triggers you in the traffic and you see that as a rejection, you see that as not good enough, you see that as being a loser and it triggers you because of a template that might have happened to you in your childhood and your adolescence. And then what happens with those templates that are indelibly inscribed in our minds and our hearts, those templates, unless we find them, they actually start to rule our life. And we don't even recognize it. They're in our subconscious and all we're doing is getting triggered. Now, what happens when they're in our subconscious long enough, they become a truth. We actually believe it's a truth when it's a lie. And this little formula, Dustin, has helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the globe understanding that when I'm in a situation, so let's say my boss comes in and says, can you come into my office? That could trigger all sorts of emotions for people. I'm in trouble. Sure can. Right? I'm going to get rewarded from I'm going to be in trouble. Everywhere yeah. in between. Why? Because there are templates. Some people had good templates from maybe their childhood of being with mum and dad or their school teacher, or maybe they had bad experiences by being in the office. And what, what we've found, this is unlocked and unblocked so many mindsets because people are prepared to say, you know, my truth might not be the truth. My boss is a, a good person. Why do I get triggered when my boss says come into the office? I like my boss. It's because I've got a template and that template's for when I was 14 and I got called into That's the right. master's office and beaten. You must look at, uh, you look things a little bit different in life. As you said, what happened in your early years, your yes. development years the, the will make you less trustworthy. I, I know I talk about yeah. on my show that it has been very challenging for me over the years to trust people because mm. the, the trust of a parent, mm. when you've lost that trust, mm. you, you have a challenge trusting somebody. And so yes. I find it remarkable that, that he has placed so much trust in you, Mara, because of his background, that he's trusted you with the deepest, darkest secrets that he's ever had. Um, and that's quite remarkable because you can say to him, there's no need to be ashamed. That no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what you've done, none of that matters. It's what are we going to do going forward? Mm -hmm. And that is that in life, I, back to you, I, I believe that God will bring you the people you need in life uh, to, to put you to where you should be, not where you were. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's very true because from my perspective, Stephen is the one that actually led me into um, receiving Jesus in my life, to be mm. brutally honest about it. Um, because I was brought up with the God of intellect. So <laughs> that was a, a doozy for years, um, but was always searching for something and never quite found found it. So mm. he changed my life in a totally different so way. So that was the transformation. I asked her earlier on. Yes. What sort of transformations? <laughs> I think and for that you, was you mine. said, I, I looked at life a little different to say there must, there must be a reason. Mm. There, there has yeah. to be something. Something can't come from nothing. Um, this yeah. didn't just all exist and evolve, no. that there was a purpose, a grander purpose. And if there is a purpose, well, then what is your purpose and what is yours? And have you found it? And I mm -hmm. think that uh, that is where the heart, once you, once you live by this yep. um, and are less distracted by this, your purpose comes, um, comes through. And that's what we're seeing. It, it's great when because we do this you know, through um, huge corporations with millions of employees and well our biggest client's got 1.6 million people wow 
I mean, across, think about that. One point six. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Across that the is globe. pretty cool. That's that's the old pat yourself on the back. <laughs> well, it's pat them on the back, really, because they're the ones who have like funded getting this into twenty four languages. Because what what they're saying is that we're asking people to serve people in in restaurants or hospitals or just to serve people, and their life's miserable. They're confused with life. They've got no compass for life. No one's invested in them. A lot of people have come from broken backgrounds. When you're talking about the the um, average average worker, and all of a sudden, a company says, no, we're going to invest in you as a person. We're going to help you become your best self. And when a company does that, I mean, my, I'm a baby boomer. Our generation, when we had to go to training courses, we thought there was something wrong with us. We didn't want to. We <laughs> you, were thought, the, you were in the Dale Carnegie I'm days. In, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was. And we don't want to go. I don't want any personal development now. But, of course, we're in a, a much different generation that says, I do want personal development. I do want to understand myself. I do want to understand how people tick in psychology and how I can be my best self. So what we see is organizations who are investing in their frontline people and developing them as people, helping their hearts heal, helping them identify their triggers and their templates and the, and the lies they've told themselves about themselves. When they, when they do that, their life becomes alive their life becomes Beautiful. with purpose. So then they don't have to teach them to smile at the customer because they're smiling on the inside. Yeah. Vibrant with life. And it's, it's just remarkable, these companies who have taken the risk to work with, with a philosophy like mm. this. It is a philosophy. And, and instill it into people's personal lives before they expect corporate results. Now that, that's, that's, very different paradigm. But what they're finding is it's bringing enormous results. Because if I come in as an above-the-line person to a meeting and there's six people in the meeting and six of us are operating above the line, that meeting is going to be more efficient, more effective. We're going to put the issues on the table. We're not going to get offended. We're not going to play politics. All of those things are going to happen through effective behaviours. So the organisations that are grabbing a hold of this and say, let's develop the person and then they will develop the business and they will then take it out to the customer. So that's the beautiful thing. It's changing people's lives. It's changing their marriages. It's changing the way they parent. And what you're talking about and we're talking about is exactly the same thing of helping people get out of their mess, get out of the, the things that have hurt them and broken them and wounded them, and to say, you've got a choice. Mm. Now, let's give you something, a tool that helps you understand that. Let's give you some education. So when I was 19, I read a book that changed my life. I grew up dyslexic. I cheated my way through school. Um, I just used to get my mates who could read books to tell me what it was all about, and, that's, and I would memorise it, and that's how I got myself through school. When I was 19, I applied for a job, and at that job they said the only way you can get this job is if you read this book compulsory and that was a nightmare for me to have to read a book well of course the book changed my life and it was a classic book that so many have read how to win friends and influence people uh, there you go great book <laughs> go. not not too bad huh <laughs> and it 
flicked a switch in my life. It flicked a switch in my heart. I started to believe I could make a difference. I could learn. I could grow. And the fact that I actually finished the book, because I'd never read a book cover to cover before, and it flicked a switch. So, Dustin, our, our hope for this book is other 19-year-olds out there, 29, 39-year-olds out there can pick up this book. Beautiful. And it can flick a switch in them. And they can get onto the journey you're on, we're on. Yeah. Well, well, you are, you're lighting beacons around the world. And that is quite a mission. Mm -hmm. That one heart at a time, or maybe yes. 10 hearts at a time. <laughs> and imagine, imagine all these beacons around the world being lit yeah. up. And it can be done, and you are proving it. Well, yeah. Stephen, Mara, pleasure to have you guys on. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I hope that we can meet in person uh, on one of these days, hopefully yeah. Yeah, soon. That Thank would be great. Dustin, it's a great Please honor. come and knock on our yes. door at London. I, 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 sure, I sure will. There is a, an organization um, in London that I'm developing content for, uh, TV content. Uh, so I was out there for that, and hopefully I'll get to go out there soon. We'll make sure we get together. That's, that's what yeah. brings you back yeah. to London, is it? Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank a, you a for the work series. that you're doing. We hope your listeners um, get benefit out of this and that they can uh, become their best selves. Yeah. Well, thank you, you guys for, for being role models for people like me. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank thanks you. for sharing your story with us. Life's tough. Thank you. Steve and Amara Climage are tougher. Thanks again, everybody. <laughs> thank you.